0: Yeah, I-Radio 76 yeah. proudly presents the 515
1: Show with your host, John Sarver, do who's at the 515 door today. Well, these are the guys that we've been waiting to talk to for an awful long time, ever since Elliot pulled a knife on us at PRI. Um, we, had, we had nothing but a great time looking at these gentlemen and, and, and looking at their backstory, and it's fantastic. It is something that I can't believe that more people don't know about, and we're going to squash that today. So right now we have, from Shadow Woods Racing, we have Jim and Elliot. Say hi, guys. Hi there. How's it going? again Elliot here. Glad to hear you. Okay. All right, so first of all, I guess we should say, uh, so the listeners can differentiate, say hi, Jim. Hi, Jim. All right, Elliot, say hi, Elliot. Hi, Elliot. Uh, okay, great. I can't You're... copy you. I'm not. I'm sorry.
0: I can't copy Jim. I'm not. have to that? Just, no, we just we ran into another. We just ran into another room that has tablecloths, so good. hopefully we're a little better.
1: <laughs> <Good. Yeah. laughs> What's happening for for the people around the world that are listening today is our good friends here are at the Detroit Athletic Club, which is probably right in the middle of center court in the gym. Or something, and but we're so glad to have them, guys. You know, we we were taking a look at you know the Shadowwood racing, and for folks who are probably listening in from Sweden or somewhere that don't you know know about the history of Shadowwood, I mean, when we were taking a look at this, Shadowwood was named after the side street.
0: Uh, I'm afraid so. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm kind of glad, uh, you know, over the years now, that's been 1958, I was eight years old there, and in 1958, our dad built a Sunoco station there in Shadow Woods and Gratiot, and, uh, and oddly enough, uh, that, that, that term over the years has had this sexy, racy, you know, mysterious name. I wish I had a better story. We were on the corner <laughs> of Shadow Woods and Gratiot.
1: It's amazing. And anybody that has not been in Gratiot Avenue and seen the Shadowwood Sunoco station at the time, I mean, it was one of the most wildest things from like late 50s, early 60s, because they had so many garages in there. And it was almost it wasn't like your basic garage. I mean, gas station where it had, you know, two bays. And there you go. This thing actually had some real class. Did you you said your dad built it? Did he design that?
0: Yeah, it was uh, seven. It started out. Sunoco was building their first three bay gas station in uh, 1957, and our dad made it into like a uh, like a like a uh, boomerang yeah. style, like a V. And the other the other side of it was four bays deep and three cars or four bays wide and three cars deep. So it became a seven bay, but it, it had a spray booth on the back, a wheel alignment pit. Uh, Our dad painted, uh, well, I guess we could talk about that when you care to, but I mean, a lot of people, uh, that place was full of Hall of Famers, uh, not including myself, I mean, there was a lot of great people that walked through that place, and it was just a sonocle station to start out, and then it went crazy.
1: Yeah, because you take a look at that, especially at the time that your dad built it, you know, and you being, you know, in your, what, almost 10 years old, uh, in 60, what, two, 60? 1958. Yeah. 1958, yeah. Right. yep, Yeah, I mean, really, Gratiot Avenue, again, for those who don't know, is only rival to M1, to Woodward, for a street scene in uh, the 60s and 70s that was unparalleled anywhere else, and Shadow Woods was right at the heart of it. You know, because not only was it a cool Sunoco station where you could fill up with fine 260, you know, which was, I think, 100-some and octane, 102, 103. But all 104. Those, gotcha. I stand corrected. <laughs> because we were taking a look at the old Sunoco pumps the other day, and we go, oh, we remember this. You have 190 on one side and 260 on the other, and then you custom blended whatever you wanted. So It's really
0: true. Uh, actually, in the ground, you had 9,000 gallons of each, and the, bump, the pump pulled from each side. Uh but uh, that's really, I guess if our dad had built another brand of, of oil company, and he was going to get Sunoco Station since World War II. Uh, if it had been another brand, I'm not sure we would be talking tonight. But the fact is, uh, and it, listen, if it makes any sense to you, about a mile south of us was the original Logie Stamping Company, and about a mile and a half north of us was Elberge were making interiors. And um, so if, if the good Lord could drop you in a cool place, we were there.
1: Yeah, and the cool thing was that because uh, Grashit's so wide, you saw all those glass doors in the bays, you know, and you could see all these hot rods being worked on in in various, I mean, it was almost like a painting, you know, depending on how many people were there. And I'm telling you, as much as you said the all-stars came by there, how many all-stars came by there? Tons. Who were they?
0: Well, because our dad was painting, hey, Philly, because our dad was painting all the Logie chassis. Uh, that's how we got our first funny car, actually. Chassis was our dad painted a dozen chassis. But we painted, or I should say we. I was just, listen, all I did was use the emery cloth and sandpaper <laughs> things. Uh, I was just, uh, my dad he actually gave me a 55 Ford sedan delivery when I was 14 so I would get to work on time. So I was the luckiest guy in the world. 312, three 2 barrels, and a three-speed transmission. But well, what gear was in it? Uh, 410, actually, it was with small tires. But we, uh, you know, when we when we would go out there, uh, we had Pancho Rendon, Shirley Muldowney, Connie Coletta, uh, Dick LaHaye, uh, Bruce Larson, a wonderful guy. God, I can't miss him. Uh, Jay Howell. Uh, we had, and they were just there eating and drinking. I mean, these were all guys that had real jobs. And in our life, uh, they were... They were just like us. Uh, we, My dad, in the summertime in those days, the uh, the funny car guys would come to Detroit because Logie would fix their chassis, our dad would fix their bodies, and our brother, my brother, would do the welding for them. And so, uh, you know, the Mongoose, McEwans and uh, all those funny car guys that now have these huge shops in Indianapolis actually were in the Georgian Inn Hotel next door to our gas station back in the late '60s, early '70s.
1: You know, Jim, when somebody came to your dad's—I I guess we should just call it Shadowwoods. Uh, I mean, yep. what was the biggest name that you saw that you just said, "Wow"? Do you know who you are?
0: You know, I, I'm gonna—I'm gonna sound terrible here, but I, they were so much like us. They all worked. Chuck Kurzawa. I mean, the Ram Chargers are dead painted. All their funny car bodies are many of them. All their chassis. Uh, you know, when I look back, and this will probably get some criticism, i got to tell you, I used to put gas in Shirley Muldowney's Plymouth pickup truck, and she always treated me like a king. She treated me like I was a big guy. I wasn't, uh, still aren't, but... Uh, <laughs> Shirley was there. Uh, uh, Shirley always rings a bell because, well, maybe because she was the only gal. Who- I'll, sorry, I apologize, Shirley, if you're listening. Uh, she was like the only female that hung around in the place, and and I just love Shirley. But uh, they were all there, uh, McEwen, Prodome, Bruce Larson, all of them.
1: It's, it's amazing when you look back at that drag racing royalty that was right there with you I mean, you're almost looking around for, did anybody have a brownie instamatic and take pictures yeah, that's true,
0: you know, and my- da- my brother you know he he partnered with John Tedder. he partnered in race cars i mean uh but we had you know Ted Spihar, uh 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 Tom Hoover, all the woodward garage guys uh, uh Bart Kenyon, all those guys were in the gas station. And uh the, the, the poncho rundown sickly fuel dragster was built in the third bay of the gas station. If you are looking at the picture it was I can tell you right where it sat. Uh, that was just it was just normal life for us. I mean I would you know why we didn't take pictures cuz we just thought it was normal. We thought we were <laughs> like everybody. I I don't remember it
1: being a big deal. You know, we have Randy Lindamood that runs around here on occasion. And go into his dad's place at Thirteen Mile Road, where we kind of all grew up at Thirteen and Ryan. You know, to see, you know, the um, color me gone, you know, Dodge out there, the either the funny car or back in the day the the uh, Stalker. You know, you kind of went, yeah, okay, so that's Randy's dad's car. Doesn't everybody have a funny car? So I kind of (laughs) guess, yeah, kind of guess, get the feeling. Go ahead. Let
0: me tell you a funny story about. Oh, sure. Let me tell you a funny story about Roger, if I can. Uh, the first transmission that I needed rebuilt, uh, the two-three shift was getting a little sloppy. My brother and I took it to Roger Lindemood, and he built it in his garage. And when we walked out of there, I'm apologizing to Randy and, and Roger. Rest in peace. He was a wonderful dude. Yeah. I'll tell you what happened. We walked out of there and we put it in the back of our old pickup truck. And my brother said he watched them. My brother's a is a brilliant mechanic. He's a great guy, and uh, it really, none of us would have these conversations without uh, he and my dad. But uh, with my brother, we walked out to the truck, and my brother said to me, "I remember, like it was yesterday. I think we paid twenty-five bucks for that rebuild." <laughs> and uh, my brother said, "I'm never going to ask a guy to do that again. I got it." And <laughs> I think my brother has built a thousand seven twenty-seven torque lights, and it might be ten thousand. I don't know, but. Uh, <laughs> he built them blindfolded, and uh, we walked out of the Linda and and Roger was gracious as could be, and my brother said, I'll never ask a guy to do that again, and he's built a million of them since.
1: That's amazing that Tom had that kind of photographic memory, you know, that he could do uh, he's,
0: that. Uh, he's an amazing mechanic. It's just an amazing, amazing guy. Uh, I wouldn't be here talking to you without him. Uh, he's uh he and my dad had the ability to visualize uh, critical things and and then create them on their own uh, instead of taking them to someone to build their dream. Uh, my brother and our and my dad, our dad, and I love my dad. He made it to 99 years old. The old Doug is a <laughs> great guy. Uh, he was uh, he was the kind of a guy I could show you pictures of him when he's 12 years old. I'd love to send him to you. In his first race car, he was 12, and it's got a belt holding the hood down. The car's black and white, much like ours race cars are today. Got bicycle tires. He was. This is 1930, and the hood is being held by a belt. And I was laughing with Elliot here earlier that uh, last year at US 131, when I blew the hood off of uh, we call Fatso, our 64 Dodge. Um, I used the two straps that hold the golf cart in the trailer <laughs> to hold the hood down. And I said, you know, the old man had a pretty good idea.
1: <laughs> it was so. It was amazing. Every time that you see, because we're going to be hopping around here a lot, but when uh, I believe we sure. went to uh, 131 a couple of years ago, God, was it a couple of years ago? And as soon as we got there, they said, well, folks, we're going to be down for a while because we had uh, an accident oh, yeah. at top end. And then we take a look at it, and the first time we get there, there's a Shadow Woods car that decided it wanted to see somewhere else besides the center stripe.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, you know what, did somebody put you up to this? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I drove these cars for 50 years, and you got to pull up the one time I oiled up a racetrack, but you know what, it was kind of funny. Uh you know, I, I, I got it, just got it in a high gear, and it started getting loose, and I didn't know what it was. That there was no smoke. But yeah, we tried this new type of an oil filter. I don't want to, I don't want to curse the guy. But anyway, it fil- blew the gasket out. And uh, in these cars nowadays, you know, I'm an old guy. Listen, I'm 71 years old, okay? So in the old days, you could go back to neutral. <laughs> you know, I had push button cars in the old days. And, uh, you, but these cars now, you gotta go 3, 2, 1. Well, at 140 mile an hour, you can't go to 2 and then to 1. So I just turned the motor off and I I killed the whole damn place. You're right. I apologize <laughs> to the guys that, that sat in that high line that day. <laughs> but it was all my fault. I Yeah, that was me. I got it. Thank you for bringing that up. By
1: the way, you know the the only reason why is because we went through our files, and when we put down Shadow Woods, those are the first three pictures that come up. You know, because Sue went down there and took pictures of it. Because we we love that paint. Who came up with that paint style?
0: You know, that's 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 an interesting question, uh, and it's very easy for me to answer. Uh, you know, our cars in the old days when Tom drove were all gold and black because our dad was a black and white gold guy. What happened in 1971, we had this opportunity to get hooked up with Lee Eliminators, which was Lee Filters, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Anki wheels, uh, Cyclone headers. It was a conglomerate of things. Lee Filters, of course, started it. And the cars were red, white, and black. And our dad was always a black and white guy. And if you were going to talk red for old Bob, our dad, poppy red, which was like a 65 Mustang. I guess you, some of us would call it orange, but it was poppy red. And our dad loved that color. And uh, and my dad, or our dad, I should say, because my brother, I love my brother, but it was just a the checkerboard thing. And our cars, to this day, everything leans forward. Because uh, it, it was one of these deals that you never do. Some cars lean backward because the wind blows it back. I got it. Our dad always wanted everything leaning forward, and so our cars always lean forward to checkers. And our dad painted those checkers on that 1963 Plymouth in 1971, uh, and there, there's no vinyl on there and fancy stuff. That was him, and that's that was his paint job. I, mean, I guess that's a long answer to your question, but that's where that came from. Those were his colors, and he loved the checkerboard, and you got to go forward. The Eliminators had a little red in there, in their ad and so that's where the poppy red came from
1: well it, they're impeccable colors i mean you can tell a shadow woods car a mile away you know and the wild thing is I, like I don't i don't know who paints them now or they are there's still the original paint or whatever but they're impeccable when you come up close to them you know and you can and again you can tell them they're they just look like the like the new york yankees um uniform or like uh a tuxedo. They just look well done.
0: Well, they are well done, and I have to give credit to Pat Moran and Moran Chevrolet up in uh, Mount Clemens. Uh, If we can talk in a Mopar commercial about Chevrolet, but Pat Moran's been very generous with us. And uh, we got a guy up there, but but the the truth is, I can tell you a funny story about that, sir, is, is that, uh, it's rare that I'm at a racetrack for the first or second time where somebody doesn't come up to me and say, Hey, is this my throwback paint job? Or, Hey, uh, you know, I used to know guys 40, 50 years ago that had paint jobs like this. And, and I point over to my brother and myself and we do look a little different. And I'd say, uh, that was us. And it's so <laughs> funny to listen to these guys talk about these guys. They used to know. And I say, well, Unfortunately, you can't pull an old dog out of the ditch. You know, here we are, and uh, but that's the the guy that the the guy that paints them for us now at Moran Chevrolet's bump shop up north of Mount Clemens is a guy that loved our dad and loves my brother. And probably doesn't have any opinion on me. And uh, and he paints them that way just to make the old man proud. And he's been dead since 2017.
1: I'm thinking that whoever paints it the gentleman is probably not nineteen or twenty years old. Because you take he's a He's not. His name
0: is Drew. His name is Drew. Let me give him a little credit, man. His name is Drew and he's a he's a real dude and he just and that poppy red to him is like like God, it's gold. It's beautiful.
1: I mean, it's laid down so well. I mean, I guess I know we're high-performance folks here, too, but when it comes to bumping body, that is an art all by itself. And when you see people... Jim, when you see... I was going to say, when you see cars with, like, wraps on them, and you can... Can you tell that a mile away? Well, it's either a wrap
0: or it's the most talented painter I've ever seen. <laughs> so I, I know what it takes to, to make some of those paint jobs. I saw my dad... To put the stars on Bruce Larson's car with tape, and paint them one at a time, and do and do cars like Prudhoms and McEwans and uh, the Ram Charger stripes. I remember the first Ram Charger car he did was there for a repair job, and because they would come to our shop in the summertime, and there was a repair job, and I remember my dad saying, looking at that car and saying, those stripes." Well, I don't want to say exactly how he said, but you pointed <laughs> out that they weren't bright. And, uh, because I know what they say in Sweden, I don't want to say the wrong thing here. But he, uh, he, uh, he, he pointed out this crookedness. I was standing there and I said, man, you know, who would have noticed? I mean, the car going whatever they were going, 200 mile an hour at the time. I said, you got to be kidding me. And our dad repainted the whole darn car because he was so mad about the stripes. Because he was a, our dad was like, uh, he was a, he could make a make a line out of anything. He was just, perfect and uh, that's how we ended up getting the Ram Chargers cars and Bruce Warsman, who I got to say was one of the biggest one of the nicest gentlemen I ever met he never wanted anybody but our dad to put those stars on the USA one Camaro
1: well you know we were taking a look at painting back then especially if he did all those cars i mean i'm thinking your dad was a lacquer guy
0: he was uh everything had to be wet sanded, everything had to be hand rubbed, but those chassis that we talked about earlier
1: yeah.
0: I gotta tell you if you got a second, sure. I mean I don't know how much time we got. He our spray booth at the gas station at Shadowwoods, he had that built on the back and it had a like a whole house fan was the exhaust fan. This isn't like you have today where these guys are in industrial environments with freaking air airheads on, you know. This was a, a, a big, big old fan in the window. And it had furnace filters in the door. And our dad's, our dad's respirator was a gas station rag soaked in water <laughs> with masking tape around his face. And my our dad was never without a hat. And whatever color he was painting, that was the color of his sideburns and the two little dots where your nostrils are. And in those days, the, the Logie chassis were painted with Emron. Wow. Emron, Emron, yeah. And he would spray water on the floor and paint those cars, and he would whistle. He had this piercing whistle that meant turn the fan on, and a piercing whistle that meant turn the fan off. And that's all we ever did. And uh, and when he'd come out, his sideburns and his nostrils would be red. yellow. There was only about six colors, <laughs> red, yellow, blue. Uh, I remember the red, yellow, blue, maybe a green one. But uh, And that was all the Logie chassis, all of them. And the, the deal was, if he painted a dozen, we got a chassis, and that's how Tom got into the '68 Charger UFO, was uh, which is a beautiful painted car if you've ever seen it, and uh, that was that was painted heavy orange, of course. But uh, uh, all of all the Oogie cars were painted with Enron and it was just torture. I mean, I but our dad made it a long time. all these kids that eat lead off of the windowsills that died or went crazy, our dad was doing lead work for the Pope, and he was doing emron for the Logies, and he lived a healthy life.
1: Now, anybody who doesn't know, in case in case you don't know, emron was paint that was developed that you could throw a brick against, and it would be still oh, yeah. perfect. However, young John and the hoodlums that grew up at 12 Mile and Ryan thought, oh, how fun this would be, let's load up a lot of catalysts so it would dry quicker, and our this gun, and watch it just ruin it. <laughs> because if you weren't... Oh, fast yeah. ...your on... Yeah,
0: you could spill battery acid on it. You could dump fuel on it. You could hit it with a hammer, and the hammer would come back and hit you right between the eyes.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was, but it was so... I mean i can't believe and i'm sure that what you see now you know with people with downdraft booths and all kinds of info lights, and you know you're right and with the hazmat outfits and stuff as they should have you know but the old school guys like we we saw folks do what your dad was doing while smoking you know <laughs>
0: yeah you're right you're right you're right i mean it was just just amazing but you know like we talked about earlier it was just our life I mean I don't as I look back on it now and I think about you know you got to wear a mask to go into the bathroom I I can't believe how nowadays what, what our dad did to himself and uh and uh, you know, like I said, I wish I could lay claim to some of my weirdness because of being too close <laughs> to it. But the truth is, he never let us in there, man. He just we got to do the the, the uh, what was that, that sandpaper I mentioned it earlier, Emery cloth. Oh man! And wipe it down with wipe, wipe it down with uh, alcohol, and uh, and our dad would go in there and say, "Get the heck out of here!" And that's what we did, man. It was it was wonderful. I mean, listen, uh, I'm. I'm I'm the luckiest guy in the world. I, I don't care what Lou Gehrig said. I got him covered.
1: You know, how long did your dad paint for? Sun up, sun down, take Saturdays off? What did he do?
0: No, we never knew about weekends. Um, but uh, my, our dad was, was painting cars. Uh, he did he did leaded. Our dad was a lead guy, and there's a few of those out there. He made fenders for the Pope's car. Packards. He made fenders for Clark Gables Packard, which I see is actually in Fort Lauderdale right now, silver twelve cylinder packard convertible. Our dad did those fenders. Uh he was a lead guy. Uh, and uh and he was painting so that's back in the thirty six, thirty seven and he was still painting cars until probably twenty ten, maybe, uh you know, probably seventy five years. And he did everything the way the government would say you're no. crazy. <laughs> and
1: <laughs> forget the government. We would say you're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, if he's doing lead, I mean, no bondo lead kind of guy, right?
0: He was a real lead guy, and people would really recently died in seventeen. Probably, probably back to go maybe twenty eight, nine, ten. He had a, he did a '57 Chevrolet for a guy that he wanted lead repair on it, and our dad still had the same butter knife, the same dish, the same stuff. And I don't know where they were stealing the lead from, but because I don't want to give anybody up, but the lead showed up, <laughs> and uh, and he he fixed that guy's car, and it was you you barely needed to use a file on his lead work; it was just magnificent.
1: And again, he was a, he was. Go ahead.
0: He did a car for Charlie back I got to tell you, when you talk about a. a Craftsman, Charlie, back in the late 68, 69, uh, Ronnie Mancini had the the B-Lever, B-E-E-Lever car, was painted flat yellow and black like a bumblebee. Our dad painted that car for Superstock, I think F or G Automatic, 440 Dark, and at the same time did the B-Lever NASCAR car for Charlie Glotzbeck, and he painted it the same way, and those Thunders were stretched with a, a... an acetylene torch and a prop- and a ball peen hammer, and it was. I remember when that car. I did car really perform well, but I remember thinking, man, if somebody bumps into that car on the racetrack, our dad's going to really be mad. <laughs> but uh, uh, but he, no, he he could make anything. I, my brother and my brother and my dad. Was, and I have no talent. My brother and my dad could uh, make. My, my dad used to say that Tom could make a windshield for a dog's butt. <laughs> and he can make it out of wood, plastic, or aluminum, and it would be the best windshield he ever looked through. That was my dad talking about my brother now, and my brother learned that stuff from my dad. I learned nothing. Okay, I'm just I'm good at an interview, about it.
1: You know, it's a for those who, and we're getting uh, and and you can write into at at hotline at ckiw76.com. If you have any questions for uh, Jim or Elliot here from Woods Racing, uh, we have some folks that wanted to know what lead mean. I will give you the Reader's Digest version of it. There is there's a couple different ways that folks did back in the day. You know, there was, if you had a body repair, if you had a, a bump or or whatever, the true craftsman would heat up bars of lead apply it on there while it was warm enough, and then you massaged it in, as opposed to today where there's this stuff called Bondo, which is like liquid plastic you put it on. It goes on nice and easy. It spray paints, but it cracks. Lead, if done right, you have no idea that that car was ever in an accident. And if you were a really good lead guy, not only did you have the reputation, but you were a skilled tradesman beyond belief you know and these guys are still if you say you're you know you can do lead you know you get a, uh, a acknowledging nod because that is some tough tough work to do and if your dad could knock it out effortlessly that's amazing
0: you want to know a funny story in my brother's garage as we speak is a 1947 ford convertible with a desoto hemi in it 332 inch i think it was and my dad did that for my brother to graduate from high school in 1963. And it's in my brother's garage today, this minute. Daytona blue, white top, and it doesn't have a flaw anywhere. Uh-huh. And it's all lit. Our dad bought that car for yeah. 75 hours, <laughs> brought the propa- uh, say propane, brought the but- acetylene torches home in the back of his 53 Ford pickup. We unloaded him and he did it in our garage on Rossini Drive in Detroit. And that car is still, today, perfect.
1: It's phenomenal. I mean, you take a look at everything that was done with just your family alone. I mean, the the backstory of, you know, Roger Lindemood had to get out of Dodge, out of Chrysler, I should say. Then Tom gets to walk into there. It, I mean, it was just, yep. you take a look at the names of the people that Tom worked with in, in um, Chrysler back in Highland Park and that was like and then Woodward whatever. I mean, wow, man, talk about royalty again. Buena
0: Vista and Woodward. Uh yeah, I got to go there as a young kid and uh Tom was in the transmission lab and before that the Holly carburetor lab. And he's he listen, he is a brilliant mechanic and I'm very proud of him and uh and I would get to go down there, on one half, it was an old Pontiac dealer with the windows painted black. <laughs> it was kind of cool. And on one half of the building was all a NASCAR. And I remember looking at, this is terrible, I remember looking at the Petty cars and the, and the Junior Johnson cars and all the Dodges across the way and thinking how primitive they were next to the drag race cars because he was, my brother drove the Woodward Garage Mule, the test car. Ultimately, that 68 Cuda that we have in our garage right now which was the mule the prototype for all this all the 68 barracudas. And we 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 would go in there and the drag race guys always made everything that they made tools they made stuff and the the cup guys were over there hammering with these big ass hammers, excuse me. And uh, and I would think, man, how do those guys go so fast, you know? But the the drag race guys uh were on one side of the garage and the cup guys were on the other side. And uh, I I got the good fortune of walking around and, you know, just looking around and thinking, you know, I don't know. I I guess I didn't know how special it was until today, really.
1: Well, nobody really did because if you were old enough or young enough, depending, I mean, if you could buy a car in 1970 and you looked at the Maticati lot and saw Superbirds and you went, why would anybody buy that thing? (laughs) Enough. You're
0: right. We looked at we looked at the front. We thought about all that weight. That's all we thought about, you know. And uh, you remember? I don't know if you know, but like it's '68, you know, uh, May of '68, '68, '69. May of '69. Tom had a parachute failure at you know, National Trail, and I was driving a Ford cab over engine that our dad had painted candy apple gold, but was full of bondo. It was pretty cool, though. And uh, I went chasing after him, and the parachute didn't open. He hit a tree, knocked the front end off. I pulled him out of the overhead. And it was a, you know, it was, it's a long story. But the, the funny part is, when we came back, our dad made a Daytona snout for that charger. You can still see yes. pictures of that some places.
1: Yeah, you know And but-
0: uh, our dad made that with cardboard and plywood, man. That was freaking cool, man. It was really beautiful. It was better than the real ones, actually.
1: Whoever's got that car right now, because you do see pictures of it, and it's that really blunt nose, you know. And and then you're going, wait a minute, here's an evolution here. I mean, did, did folks go, you know, from from Chrysler and say, hey, we <laughs> like that idea, or was it just a wild coincidence?
0: Yeah, it was. It was really just our dad. My brother, I mean, listen, they were two peas in a pod. Like I said, I was just sort of hung around. Those two guys, uh, they just thought of things, and they had this uncanny ability, like I said earlier, to think of things and then do them. Part of the reason my brother got such little recognition over the years uh, was because he never told anybody what he did. I mean, he uh, he wanted to win, and uh, our cars... Uh, whatever he did for everybody else, he always had something in his hip pocket. Uh, I mean, I, I'll tell you the, what I was most known for was I took the cars to tech and you know why I took them to tech was cause I had plausible deniability <laughs> because my brother always disappeared. And he would tell me, take the doors off with the push. We had quick put buttons on the doors and Zeus fasteners. We could take a transmission out of that 68 car in about 10, 15 minutes. And it's because the whole floor came out, and he told me what to do, and I was the driver of the car. But I would go to tech, and I would take the whole car apart in the tech line, and I would get nothing but criticism because super stock was not intended to be that way. And uh, when they would ask me, what does this do, why does he do this? I get Zeus Bastards in the quarter panels of that 68 Hemi Cuda. They don't do anything, but it sure drove people crazy. And when they would ask me, and guys to this day still tease me about it, my answer was, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. And uh, and mostly what I heard was, don't bring it back that way tomorrow. And uh, and I'll tell you, if you got a second, I'll tell you sure. a quick story. Oh. first time I ran that oh. 68 Cuda, it was April of 72 at Indianapolis at the points race for Division Three. And that car, to this day, I mean, you, you talk to Bucky, the guy that was the most beautiful Barracuda in the world, crawled under that at the MCCA show a few years ago and said he'd never seen this stuff before. Uh, Fifty years later, or forty years later, when when we w- we went to the tech, they were so mad at me. They said, "Don't." Our dad made the fenders in the hood. They were, they were You could see through them none of our cars had primer on them because our dad said a gallon of paint weighs six pounds. That's six stupid pounds. So that's how they were. And you could see through the fenders and the guy was so mad at me. And when I went through tech, Tom wasn't there conveniently. <laughs> uh, the guy said, don't bring it back here like this tomorrow. And we went to a Holiday Inn. This is a true story. I still had this hood. believe me, It still looks like heck. Um, i went to, I stopped at a hardware store, and on the way back to the holiday inn we put the <laughs> we took the hood, put it on the bedspread upside down, and I bought a gallon of bondo and some sandpaper and some flat black paint, and built just put the scoop onto the hood in this holiday inn and ruined that room. I'm sure it still stinks <laughs> and and after we were done, <laughs> we hung the bedspread up on the wall. <laughs> and we spray painted the whole hood. Donnie Bazinski just passed away last Monday. God bless him. We we painted the whole hood and the analogy in with the window screen taken out. And the next day I showed up at tech. Tom still wasn't there, conveniently, if you're listening, Tom. Uh, and we, we went back to tech, and when we went through the line, the guy looked at that hood and looked at that hood and looked at that hood, and, that hood and he says, uh, Where'd this come from? And I says, What do you mean? And he said, uh, I told you not to bring this back. I says that's not it, and we ended up really doing good that day. Division three race, first time that car ever ran. But I still have that hood, and it's. I tell you what, I thought I did a better job. I didn't do so good, but. but I'm going to tell you, if you had that bedspread right now, I'd give you a hundred bucks for it.
1: You know what, Jim? It is fascinating how they had back again in in drag racing. So what we call the golden age you know, 60s and 70s, you see pictures where there's guys at a Holiday Inn in the parking lot just taking down superchargers, rebuilding engines, redoing chassis. I mean, that stuff's really real, isn't it?
0: You know what? We were, like I said, we were a mile north of Logie's and a mile south of Bergeware. And in the summertime, long before these guys built these beautiful places in Indianapolis, those West Coast guys all ended up in Roseville. And that was because Logie was there to update the chassis or fix this or weld that. Tom was there to weld this and that. And our dad was there to paint their cars. I mean, he, he fixed the snouts on their cars multiple times in the summer because they would go, you know, uh, match racing and come back with a, you know, stone chip or whatever. Our dad painted uh, the Mongoose's car. He painted so many cars. Uh, and Tom McEwen was such a good guy to us. But when you when you went through those things, they all stayed at the Georgian Inn Hotel, and ironically, the Georgian Inn Hotel shares a fence with Shadowwood with Sunoco. It's the first property south. And, uh, so, yeah, your question, yeah, did they do a lot of stuff in the parking lot? Oh, man, did they ever? <laughs> uh, there was everything that they do now between rounds in 45 minutes or 75 minutes or whatever the heck it is. And, yeah, they did it there. And, uh, well, we, I'll tell you one time, we were with the 63 car, the Max Wedge car. And we were in Indianapolis, and we'd been running a set of tires all year. We went to the U.S. Nationals. I was driving the car, and they said my tires were too wide because you could only be seven inches. And so <laughs> what ends up happening is we don't have any money for tires, so we jack it up on a floor jack, and our dad lays on the on his back. I'm in the car, and he's got a rest file, and he lays on his back and ground a quarter inch off of them freaking rear tires. I'm not kidding you. I mean, I felt terrible. He came out of there. He had a he had a track of rubber from his <laughs> nose to his whatever, and uh, uh, <laughs> and and we ended up really doing well that day. But uh, that's only set of tires we had. And they said you're a quarter inch too wide. And he said I got it. He told me jack it up. I put it in second gear and let her ride along. And he was down there grinding the freaking tires off of it. <laughs> <laughs> Life hasn't been so easy, but it was always fun.
1: I was going to say I'm sure that tech or tech loved this guy when they saw you die around. The they went, oh man
0: <laughs> yeah, we were uh, the most popular guys in tech, and I have to say, some of the guys that my brother built motors or transmissions for, they were kind of wishing we'd fail failed tech too but but uh, I don't remember ever hearing them say it, but you know listen we were blessed to grow up in an area were the best superstar cars, Carl Holbrook's Ford, Ray Paquette, uh, Flack and Comstock, John Tetter, Ronnie Mancini and all his great cars, Bruce Hawke, those guys, just great guys. You know, that was a normal Saturday. We would go to Tri-City on Saturday night, drive all night, be at Milan on Sunday morning and leave Milan in the afternoon and drive to Motor City Dragway. And there were days, not a lot, but there were days where we won all three places. But we raced against guys that were, we raced against the best on and off weekend. I mean, I mean, I hope I didn't, I, I know I left some guys out, but I got to tell you, we had just a bounty of superstar cars. And uh, that would run in Michigan on an off weekend that would compete with anybody in the country. And uh, uh, and I loved all of them, man. I mean, uh, Johnny Tatter was a wonderful guy. Ronnie Mancini, still a great guy, good dude. Uh, Bruce Hawk, we still see a lot of. Uh, Jack McCormick, you know, took care of all of us, Wheel City. Um, I'm going to tell you, can I give you a real quick top fuel story?
1: You can give me a real slow one. Sure, go, man.
0: <laughs> nah, I don't want to screw you up. I mean, I haven't heard the commercial time yet, but uh, the uh, we're all getting paid for this, right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, from Chevrolet. from Yeah.
0: Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. <laughs> um, they're, they're building a fuel dragster for Pancho Randon and Dick LaHaye in the third bay of the Sunoco gas station. And its you can pull it up online. It's the perfect top fuel car. Uh, I'm going to have to move to another room here because we don't belong where we're at so hold on here Well, we're moving
1: you don't belong you might not
0: be as good no I really don't belong here (laughs) Um,
1: okay
0: (laughs) it's not the first time I've been where I didn't belong so don't worry about it Um, this is another one of those plausible deniability things but people are actually going to pay for this room and uh, we got to get out of here yeah right so anyway we're good we might have a little bit less acoustics but we're doing the best we can okay so anyway the fuel dragster is in the third bag and it's perfect. Our brother's mechanical touches and his cosmetic touches, our, my brother Tom could just visualize perfection. Poncho Rendon brought us, you know, El Charo tacos by the crate. And uh, we ate good and we had a great time. And Shirley Muldowney was a funny car driver at the time. <laughs> and Shirley, I love you. Yeah, I already said that I do. But Shirley was wanting to drive this car. And they had this uh, plan for Dick Lehigh. And I'm working in the gas station, and the phone rings. You know, I remember those days. We had a pay phone; was our only phone that we had. And when the pay phone rings, it's Shirley, and she says, uh, "Jimmy." And I was always Jimmy, still to some. Jimmy, uh, let me talk to Tom. And I said he's not here. And she says, uh, "Let me talk to Tom." And I said he's not here. And what I didn't realize was she was across Gratiot, on the other side, about a hundred yards north, was a shell station. <laughs> And she was on the payphone over there. <laughs> and these guys are waving me off. And I said, uh, They're not here. And she said, Jimmy, I'm looking at you.
1: <laughs> and I love Shirley.
0: I do. I wish she was here right now. I said, uh, They're not here. And I hung up. And <laughs> she was standing right across the street. And I'm not sure she ever forgave Well, she forgave me, but she never let me forget it. And uh, Dick LaHaye took that card to for the Winter Nationals, went to the semis. And I uh, never drove it again. And uh, I drove that car all the way to the Gator Nationals with the snout hanging out the back of our semi. You can tell you a quick story about that semi. We were the first, I think, to pull into a drag strip with a semi-trailer. I know it's the it's norm now. This is 1972. We had a Dodge 10-speed. What a dog. But we were cool. <laughs> we had this, We had this big black trailer with ramps in it. And I pulled it into Milan Dragway for the first time. And when I pulled it in, I knocked every frickin' wire in the place down. (laughs) And now at that time, I'm 21 years old. I remind you, I'm 71 now, but I haven't forgotten the obvious. And as I drove in, I knocked every frickin' wire down. I mean, they had no telephones. They had no lights. They had nothing. And I'm sitting in the truck with all the wires hanging on top of the cab and the trailer. And I, don't know if I don't know if they're 16,000 volts or if they're cable TV. I have no idea. Well, I'm pretty sure they weren't cable in 1972. And, uh, and well, we had a 13-foot, 2-inch trailer, and, the, the, unfortunately, the wires only had to be 12-foot high in an area where there ain't no trucks. But uh, So we left a good impression that day. And... Uh, <laughs> Nobody got the race, and it was all cool. But So I don't want you to think that we never did anything, but we we did have fun. And uh, Anyway, I, I ramble. Go ahead, ask a question, because no, I mean, I'm having too much fun.
1: <laughs> your, all the tracks were open when you were campaigning. I mean, Motor City was open, Tri-City obviously open, Milan, I would assume, Detroit Dragway obviously. You know, of all those tracks... Oh, yeah, Ugly. Yeah, because I'm thinking, man, Tri-city. there was a lot of tracks that were. I mean, my God, what did you do on Friday night? Go, okay, where are we going tomorrow? How many tracks are we going to hit?
0: We hit every one physically possible, and we raced for a hundred bucks, and we were happy as hell if we won fifty. And uh, and I, man, I want to tell you, we started out pulling that car with a tow bar. And we would take the, the slicks off, put street tires on it, take the front bumper off, put a tow bar on it, tow it behind our Red 65 Chevrolet pickup truck, tow it to the racetrack, go to the track, take the tow bar off, put the front bumper on, put the drive shaft on, put the rear tires on, race the car, take the rear tires off, the drive shaft off, the front bumper off, and go to the next track. <laughs> and I don't remember it ever being a pain in the ass. I mean, <laughs> quite honestly. It was freaking great. It was great. We would have guys ride in the car, in the on the tow bar. We only had a two 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 seater pickup. This would be fun before it's been again. We had a two seater Chevrolet pickup with a stick shift V eight, and we had two guys riding inside of the '63 Plymouth with no tow on a tow bar with no drive shaft. And you know what? I don't remember. Our first trailer was a hoist, a, a drive on hoist wow. with two axles underneath it. And I want to tell you, it was a frickin' murder weapon. but so we were happy as hell.
1: You know, I mean... Hey, that's the one that's Yeah. If
0: you can... Yeah, was, we told a find an international travel that had a stick shift V8 in it, and it had a heater that blew on the passenger's feet, and we fought like hell to be the passenger. <laughs> <laughs> and I was the low-seniority guy, and I never had warm feet.
1: I mean, Jim, were you really, you're the youngest of the whole crowd there?
0: Yeah, and I still am, by the way.
1: Nice job. <laughs> okay. I mean, because, I mean, did everybody like, here, kid, go get me a Pepsi and flow you a quarter? Or, I mean, was your age differential not that far from Tom's?
0: It was that far from Tom's, but there was no quarter involved. <laughs>
1: No wonder why they went to your dad's shop. They could just walk into the cooler and grab a Pepsi. Nice. You know, that
0: was that was me, Phil. That was me. I was running the broom and the mop. That was it.
1: Did they, Jim? Did they ever think, since you were right there on Gratiot, that maybe Friday night, Saturday night, a test and tune session may have gone on?
0: Well, you mean on the, in the driveway of the gas station? No, on
1: on Gratiot itself.
0: Oh, well, uh, I was trying to be kind.
1: Yeah, of course. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to do. And you know
0: what <laughs> the, the Roseville cops sat in our parking lot with the radar on and watched and told us how fast we went. We were all good. <laughs> it was all good.
1: I mean, they didn't go, oh, my God, here comes those Shadow Woods kids again. No, no you know what? Every one of those guys needed something welded, and <laughs> my brother was a hell of a welder. Uh, funny how that all worked out, didn't it?
0: It sure did. It sure did, and it still does. And I know, uh, like I said, I'm, I'm blessed. No question about it.
1: Yeah, you know, we get, we got a question here from hotline off the hotline at ckw 76com dot com. When you drove that car with no drive shaft and people in the back seat, how did you get to the drag strips? And I'm thinking, did you? They're asking, did you take a uh, freeway, back roads? What'd you do?
0: Oh no! Well, quite, quite honestly, uh you know, listen. These people are these are kids that are writing yet. There is somebody writing. Uh, the i ninety four freeway didn't go north of uh, uh, Gratiot Avenue. It Avenue, a twelve mile road. So when we went to M- to Motor City, uh, those tracks, we were on Gratiot Avenue because there was no freeway yet.
1: Wow! Then how long did it take you to get it, to Milan?
0: Uh you know what? It's, we took whatever time it took. I guess, I guess in those days, it, we didn't think it was a long time. Uh, we went all the way to Tri-City, but we we would have to travel about 10 miles west just to get on I-75. Ooh. But uh, as, let me tell you a funny story about that. Next yeah. time you're running up I-75, you sound like a local guy. Uh, the Dixie Highway exit on I-75 north of Flint or uh, north of Holly is uh, a huge picture of Jesus, Jesus on the yeah. right-hand side and. And it says, uh, Ma, are you on the right road? you know what I'm talking about?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's legendary. Our Ma used...
0: <laughs> well, it's still there today. Our Ma and our grandmother used to bring sandwiches to the racetrack. And one day, we were at Milan, and our Ma was late. She always had to go to church first, but we always expected her about 1 o'clock. <laughs> and she didn't show up. You know, you don't have cell phones and, you know, yeah. in car computers and stuff like that. So this would be like 1972-3, and uh, our ma shows up about 3 o'clock, and i like, holy cow, ma must have got a flat tire, or something happened, you know. So <laughs> I swear to God, this is a true story, because you can't make it up. Our ma comes in, and I says, ma, what happened? And she says, you know that thing sign up on I-75 that says, are you on the right road? And I go, yeah. she goes, her ma, she says, ma, and I were driving by there, and it said, are you on the right road? And I said, no, we're not. <laughs> She had to turn around. I swear to God, I remember that like it was yesterday. She said, no, we aren't. And she drove all the way back to Milan, and our, our turkey sandwiches with bologna, whatever they were, were just a couple hours old. But you know what? They tasted good. But I remember our mom was was, was an angelic lady, and uh, I remember her saying, Jesus asked me if I was on the right road, and I said, no, I'm not. <laughs> Oh man, you really kidding? You really kidding me? People want to listen to this. This is too much fun for me. <laughs> you
1: know, your mama had to be a saint because I could about imagine. I mean, did you guys live far away from from the gas station?
0: Actually, we ate dinner at the office. Uh, I would go to I'd go to school. When I got home, she would have a note on the table that would say, "You know, put a cup of hot water and put it at 350 and and uh, you know. Cut up some carrots, and I would go to the gas station. And at five thirty or six o'clock, my would show up, and her she had a she had a first fifty six Chevrolet convertible, which was I'm still trying to find, wow. and a sixty Dodge. And she would drive in, and uh, now and I would go to work, the gas station. I hitchhiked, and I'd go to the gas station, and she would come up there in her car at five thirty after work. And she we'd eat in the, in the office of the gas station. We have beef stew or whatever was in there, and uh, she was a peach. She was a peach and uh, she never missed a car race. Um beautiful woman, brought her ma. Great gal, World War Two veteran. Her ma was a sergeant, one of only two hundred in World War Two. Damn. Um they, were, they were great gals and uh, um no, we were very listen, I I can't I can't relive it any better than I lived it. It's all good.
1: It's amazing, only because I'm sure her laundry day must have been a thrill for her.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, that's funny. we still tease about it. How she used to take old white socks and sew them in the crotch of our jeans because we couldn't get a new ones. And uh, you'd walk down the street and it looked like you know like your business was hanging out, but it was it was yesterday's white socks. That's a true story. That's how she fixed our blue jeans, man. <laughs> Come on, are you making fun of my mom? now? Come on, man, <laughs> calm down.
1: I'm just trying to think, what went through your mom's mind while well, she took a look at these white socks and go, you know, if I sewed these guys in there, Levi's, you know, yeah, this will work out. <laughs> Mate, what did you, you know, just move?
0: No, I, we, we never wore out the sock. I mean, it was unbelievable. The sock was good for a lifetime, and it's probably still out there someplace. Some some homeless guy's under a bridge right now with one of my socks on there. Well, Tom probably still has all of them. <laughs> Yeah, I think my brother might still be wearing them, <laughs> I'm hoping he goes off by now.
1: Ah, okay. Oh, my God. Well, jeez. Oh ah. All right, well, there you go. So there's the fashion plates of Shadowwood, friends. I mean, Shadowwood fashions. Holy... But I'm thinking by, <laughs> by the time that your dad's clothes and your clothes and Tom's clothes hit the washer machine, I mean, I don't think the HX Knight could help this out at all. <laughs> oh. Well, I'd
0: like to tell you mine were the dirtiest because I did all the hard work. But the truth of the matter is, I was doing the sweeping and the mopping. I didn't get that dirty. But I mean, the old man and my brother, they were the workers. They were good.
1: When you guys went to the races, did your dad give you friendly advice? And I'm doing the air quotes with that.
0: Well, since my brother's not here, I'll say my dad's favorite line was take care of your brother.
1: Oh, oh, oh. okay. And,
0: and since I don't hear anybody disputing that, it must be true. <laughs>
1: okay. Yeah.
0: Our dad was our dad was great, he was just great uh he's the best looking guy in the race track and uh and uh you know, I wish he was standing here today, but uh, you know why he's not, but uh, you know he was a great guy and uh he he was his his strategy was always a look more than a more than a speech so i uh, yeah, i think i did as you mentioned it, I did hear a lot, but I don't think you said much
1: okay because we know that there's a lot of dad's that, well, you know, well, you kind of left too late. Well, you should have did a couple more hours before you shifted. Well, you should have, you should have, should have, you know. But it sounds like your dad just went, now, mm-hmm, next.
0: I'm not, I don't remember my dad ever being critical of anything we did at the racetrack. Uh, you know, well at home, yeah. But at the racetrack, I think he was a really proud guy. He raced cars himself you know, back until the 40s. And uh, he, 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 know, he knows you don't win every time, and he knows that we, you know, we hire human beings, man, if things happen.
1: You know, Jim, at one time, at the peak of the Shadowwood Racing crew, how many cars were you running?
0: I think the most that I drove on a given day was two at a time. Uh, when we had the 63 car, um the Max Wedge car, what a freaking peach that was to drive. Good grief. That car would go seven tons under on, on in, the, in the in the in the the Joe Lewis Arena, man. It was just that car never spun a tire. Push button shift, sixty five hundred, you know, run. Just peach. And then I had a six shift sixty four car that Tom built, a lightweight, Hemi. Very rare car God, I wish that's probably the car I miss as much as anything. 64, lightweight, all-aluminum body, or aluminum doors and founders and hood with an ironhead Hemi in it, stick shift car. God, I love that car. And uh, But when I ran both of those, uh, on about, I can't guess the number, but there was probably a half a dozen times over three or four years that I would have ended up racing myself, you know, where the, the way the bracket fell, and in those occasions, Tom would say to me, which car you think we'll win? And then I picked the car, and then I raced my brother. And the son of a gun ran me kind of hard a couple of times. I'm kind of mad at him about that <laughs> even today. But uh, but in any event, and he never took a stick shift car anyway, the son of a gun. But, uh, no, we had fun. But that, that's the most I did in a, in a day. And that happened for about two or three years where I ran the stick and the automatic, Super D automatic and Super B stick, and then when we got to the A car we had the Super B stick and the Super A car. That super A car, that sixty eight car, is a car that people should get to know. Uh I I'm trying, I'm listen, I I like to tell you believe some money on it. I wanna bring that car to to listen to this one, Bucky, while you're out there and I love Bucky, he's a great kid. Uh, I really want to bring that car to the Hemi shootout at the, at the U.S. Nationals. My brother had a stroke a couple years ago, put us back a little bit, but he's on his feet now. Uh, I'd like to take that car to, this, to, this, to the Hemi shootout. Uh, I don't expect it to go eight. I don't want to spend a million dollars, but I think that car, I guess I wish I would have known it at the time, how special that car is. And I would love, it's sitting in the garage right now, and it's got the same tires on it that I ran in 1976. It's not changed one thing. I would love to take that car to the Hemi shootout, uh, get my ass kicked, and be happy. Uh, but I really want to make a couple passes because, honestly, I think the real guys, doesn't sound, that doesn't sound nice, but the guys that I'm most care about and concerned for Look at that car and say, "I'm glad it's here." I don't think it would have to win. Uh, I've tried, but I don't think it would have to, would have to win. I think I think that there's a lot of respect for that car out there, not for me, but for my brother and for that car. I would love to take that car out, do a fricking third gear burnout, and kick some ass, get my ass beat, and be happy as hell. All right, that, so that's really a goal.
1: So, Jim, where do you want to take us at, at the Hemi Nationals?
0: The Hemi Shootout at the U.S. Nationals, uh, the Friday race with uh, with 100 Clones, Super A cars. You know, I mean, I love I hope Joe two times listening right now, you little Joe, I mean, you, listen, we're so many great guys out there and I would love to see them and I'd love to be there on that Friday and I'd love to have our 68 car it's still got the same freaking paint job on. It still looks like shit. It's Beautiful. I've still got my worn out, beat up Holiday Inn hood. I'd love to take it there, and I'd like to just like roll back, like we're with uh, Rod Serling in the Twilight Zone, and have everybody say, "What the hell is going on over there?" Okay, so because uh, wh- it's a cool, it's a cool car.
1: Where is this race going to be held at?
0: It's U.S. Nationals, Indianapolis.
1: Oh, okay. September, oh, Labor oh, Day that weekend. That one. Okay, my mistake. All righty, so... And if
0: you, if you can make that happen, if you can suck it up, if you can get people to write a nasty note to my brother and say, come on, get that <laughs> son of a gun going, All I'm right. telling you what, it wouldn't take a lot. It won't go eight seconds, uh, but God dang it, it would be fun. What? And that, you know, we're getting old, man. Let's, get, let's make it happen and screw the rest of the people.
1: All right, so which car should they write, Tom, concerning...
0: Uh, they should write to Tom Tigg at hotmail.com, T-O-M-T-I-G at hotmail.com. <laughs> oh, God, and uh, he hasn't answered his cell phone in years. He won't answer the landline. <laughs> he has no idea where his mailbox is, but he does check his emails. Mm-hmm. And write to Tom Tigg and say, "Let. <laughs> how Are we going to do this, man? We're going to really be nasty. Let Jim, let Jim drive the 68 Superstock A Emmy Cuda." The the original prototype car that everybody's car was based off of is in our garage and it's ready to go. I'll send for the tires. That's the kind of guy I am.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, there's going to be swag now with t shirts saying, Let Jim Drive on the front.
0: <laughs> yeah, scoop <still> Brandon, eh? <laughs> Hey, listen, I love Brandon Brown, but screw Brandon. Now it's about let Jim drive.
1: <laughs> God love you. All right. Uh, talking about which. Oh, we know that, uh, to tell the CKIWI Radio 76 affiliates, we know that we went way, way over today. But we'll make it up, and the uh, Detroit Sports Authority is coming up here live at 7 o'clock tonight. However, Jim, Elliot, holy jump, kids. We didn't even touch, touch the UFO. We didn't even touch your other cars, you have to come back on with us if you would be so kind and and talk about those cars because they are one of the the most famous non famous cars we've ever seen before in our lives.
0: Well, let me tell you, I have some stories, and uh, it might cost you a little, but I'll come back. <laughs> <laughs> cost you double what. It'll cost you double what today was. How's that? Have you? What's two times zero? I I went to Denby High in Detroit. I know what two times zero is. I got it. Okay. But no, let me tell you. Let me tell you how we started. I mean, we didn't get there to Tom's Tom's car with the the, with the A nine ninety car. Dad bought that car. We're actually rebuilding, or we were building a brand new ultra wheelbase car right now. And it is identically prepared to the way our dad did it, hanging from a chain fall in Shadowwood, Sonoco. Uh, I mean, I'm talking primitive, and it's going to be cool as hell. And uh, that car's going to be on the racetrack this year.
1: And who's going to drive it? And which racetracks are you going to?
0: Well, it'll be me, and it'll be wherever they'll let me in. I'm in. Really? Uh, it'll be me. Yeah, it's going to be a Hemi, fuel injected. Uh, rear wheels have been moved up 15 inches, front wheels 10 inches. The floor is done. The roll cage is ready to go. The body is really nice. And I gotta tell you, this is, this is a tribute to our daddy who built one of these for Tom in 1966 that was the national champion in 1967. Uh, and we're gonna build it. It's gonna look like the Shadowwoods cars that you've grown to, to appreciate, the red, white, and black. But it's going to be the the, the UFO clone, and uh, I'm really looking forward to it. I mean, it's really going to be cool, and it's pretty cool right now. And but I want to tell you about Tom and Dad. Listen, I was just sweeping floors, man. I had too much fun tonight. I appreciate all the time you gave me. But listen, uh, uh, the the UFO story, and you need to hear a little bit about our dad. I mean, his his soapbox derby car in 1930. This is a we wouldn't be here our dad was he was a just a just a peach just a peach.
1: All right guys we really do have to run but the cool thing is this is for the listeners around the world that are listening to Jim and Elliot right now consider this part 1. Okay, this gave you the background story. This lets you know about the the sock and the Levi. This lets you know about where the, I mean, the the Sunoco place still stands there, but it's not Shadowwood. I mean, you can see, you know, it still stands, but it's, so you can kind of see kind of what it was in the 60s. It's, it's nowhere near what it was. I got to go in the back of that place. I never saw a place where you could paint cars back there. I mean, we saw that one house where <laughs> we're trying to hop their fence you know, to see what was back there. But I didn't know there, there was a, a place to paint uh, vehicles.
0: And, you know, Gene, Gene Logie lived right over, right behind the fence. I mean, that, that's, this is, was such a small world. You know, Jay Howell, my dad painted a 51 Anglia for him. I hope Jay's listening. I love Jay Howell. He's gone through some tough times. He's a wonderful, wonderful guy. Our dad painted a 51 Anglia for him. He said, get the X on US 10 on the decklet, I'll never forget it. It was so cool. And, uh, but those were just our – just we just were friends, you know. It was just
1: normal life. Unreal. Thought. Gentlemen, hang on the line for a minute. We want to talk to you for a moment, but we're going to give again, all the CKWR Radio 76 affiliates time to breathe for just a moment. Then we're going to come back. Remember that the Detroit Sports Authorities, if you like Detroit sports as much as they do, you'll love the Detroit Sports Authorities coming on at 7 o'clock right now. How appropriate. Bruce Springsteen and Born to Run on the only station that gives a damn about the greatest sport on earth, and that's drag racing, (laughs) CKIW, Radio 76.